Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5 this morning. Mark chapter 5. We start a quartet. I could sing bass this morning. Amen. <clears throat> I'm a little basically congested. But uh, <clears throat> that was a good song, wasn't it? Don't ever get over being saved, saved, saved. And a lot of people look like they've been got over it. And some people act like they got over it. And some people are not faithful. And they have got over it. Don't ever get over being saved. Do you remember? Do you remember? And then that's a great New Year's song, Miss Kaylee. I guarantee you we ought to remember all the blessings of last year. All the blessings. Matter of fact, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be here. And I'll tell you another fact. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't want to be here. You want to be here. That's a godly blessing, a divine blessing. Well, one of my favorite passages in the Bible must be one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Uh, every time I preach a passage, I go to the file and see if I preach the sermon on it. And usually after 41 plus 4, 45 years of preaching, I had four years before I got here um, as a youth pastor, 45 years of preaching, I've usually preached on most of the Bible. I hope all of it. But uh, I was looking at the notes, and I noticed in the corner, top corner, S1107, that's my file system. That's uh, the 107th message in salvation. And the date is February 5th, 1978. It was the very first message I ever preached at Whitfield Baptist Church in a 12 by 15 room upstairs at 706 South Thornton Street. So I really want to use this outline. I really do. But God's given me about three more outlines, so... I'll refer back to it, but I'm just going to look at it while I preach. I'm not worshiping preaching. I'm worshiping the one I'm preaching about. But it sure is good to know that uh, I'm still preaching the same church. Uh, I think it's around 8,000 messages uh, since that day. And uh, I, I thank God for it. I thank God for you because you sure have been patient with me because I had to grow up because I'd never pastored before. I just uh, was an assistant for four years. And I thank God for you, and I thank God for your faithfulness. We're in the midst of uh, a hopeless situation uh, here in chapter 5. Last week, we saw the disciples coming to this destination, and a storm hit them that overwhelmed them. I mean, a really storm, one of those frog stranglers. Amen. That's what we say down in South Georgia. I haven't been down there a long time, so they probably don't say it anymore. Uh, fruitcake capital of the world, they don't say a lot. But anyway... It, it, it overwhelmed them, and they, 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 the disciples were certain they were going to die. Look at verse chapter 4, verse 38 in review. It says, Master, carest not that we perish. That means we're dying. Uh, there ain't no way we're going to get out of this storm. This is a storm like no other storm, and these were veteran fishermen, most of them. And so if they were scared, you better believe that the Lord allowed a terrible storm. And while this storm was exceeding, the, the whole message of the storm is that he's the master of the wind. Don't ever be afraid of lightning because God controls it, unless you're dumb enough to be on a golf course with a, with a lightning rod stuck up saying four. Uh, you know, you ought to be scared then because you're dumb. Amen. You're a dummy to be out there. And uh, I have been that way. And so then you get next to a tree and the lightning hits the tree. But anyway, uh, don't be afraid of storms. Uh, don't be afraid of, uh, i tell you what you ought to be afraid of. You ought to be afraid of the drivers in Atlanta, Georgia. Amen. Amen, Brother Blaine. You battle it every day or every week. And uh, that, that's what you ought to be afraid of. But, you know, all, you know, Wednesday night I preached a message. If I had one message to preach and I knew it was my last message, 
I'd have preached what I preached Wednesday night. So if you didn't get here, we had a great, great crowd, great, great attendance. I was amazed. If you didn't get here and get that message on the fear of God, because all the fear of God overcomes all the lesser fears. But these disciples, verse 40 of chapter 4, uh, they were rebuked for being fearful. But then he said, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what matter of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So there's an unhealthy fear and there's a healthy fear. It's the fear of God. And you ought to reverence God and know that he is over every hopeless situation. Now there's a storm raging, but this storm is raging within a man's heart. He's demon-possessed. Matter of fact, he's so demon-possessed, they're called legions. So that means thousands. There's 6,000 uh, soldiers in a legion. So there's probably about 6,000 uh, demons in this man. And he was so crazy, and the devil will make you crazy, uh, that he was streaking in a country graveyard. He didn't have a lick of clothes on. I don't know why Christians won't take their clothes off, amen? But anyway, uh, this wasn't a Christian, so he was acting like a lost man, you know, just naked, and screaming and yelling and cutting himself. And guess where he is living? In the cemetery. Now, folks, I know that made Mrs. Uh, Gatterian uh, really proud. And I'm sure his, his uh, boys... Uh, or girls probably at school said, you ain't going to believe where my daddy's living. He's living in the tombs. But folks, I want to tell you something. If you're living for the devil, or if you're not uh, saved, uh, your master is the devil. And he's got you like a puppet with strings attached to it. And when you get saved, you get free from that junk. You get free from addiction. You get free from uh, the, the, the substitutes of uh, the psychology and the pills and the dope. And the, and the drugs and the drinking, uh, you're free. But I want to tell you something, the devil, the demons of hell will try to captivate you and he'll try, they'll try to keep you. So let's, let's read this uh, great miracle, uh, verses 1 through 20. Standing on the word of God, please. Thank God for Brother Benson and the many years he's put into getting the King James Bible all around the world. Amen. What a blessing. God's going to bless this man at the judgment seat of Christ for blessing the Word of God and getting it out. Boy, I got so much I want to preach, that I'm, and I'm not preaching tonight. By the way, this fellow sings a lot better than Elvis Presley, and he doesn't see, so that means he could make millions of dollars being a showmanship, but he's not a showman, he's a servant. So you need to come and hear this man preach and sing. He'll bless your heart. Most of the songs he's written, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I thank God for his wife. She drives him everywhere he goes. Amen. Can you imagine that? And he don't even backseat drive because he ain't seeing how bad she's driving. Amen. But anyway, let's go on. All right. But be here tonight at 6 o'clock. I have special things on 6 o'clock because of all our junior church workers. I don't want to miss it. It says, they came over into the other side of the sea into the country of Gennaris. So it looks like Jesus had a point to be over on the other side. It was this one man. Aren't you glad God came after you? And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him, uh, uh, of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, demon-possessed, who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could, could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and chains had been plucked asunder by him, strong. And the feathers broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying, and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. 
And he cried with a voice, said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said to him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh to the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus, um, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. And there was about 2,000 of those pigs. That means about three demons a pig. Now listen to this. And they that fed the swine fled and told it to the city and the country, and they went out to see what was, what was, what was done. And they come to Jesus and see him, and he was, that was possessed with the devil, that was possessed with the devil, and was possessed with, uh, with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. They began to pray him to depart out of the, out of the coast. And when it was come to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be, be with him. And that's a natural response for those that have been delivered. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, he didn't allow it, but said to him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this great miracle. And God, thank you for the great miracle uh, that you performed in our life when we got saved, the greatest of all miracles. And God, we thank you, dear God, that... Um, we're not possessed by devils, a lot of us, but some are suppressed. And dear God, we know the devil's a roaring lion seeking to devour and divide and to, and to, and to detour our lives into wasting our lives in sin and selfishness and vainglory. So dear God, help us to see our only hope. Help us to see the deliverer. Help us to realize that greater is he that is in us than he is in the world greater than the devil. And so, Lord, give us power to preach. God, help us, Lord, as we preach this message a couple of times, but dear God, we thank you for the first time we preached it, and that was in that little storefront, or that little house, in that little room, 12 by 15. And Lord, we thank you for Connie and, and uh, his, uh, her husband getting saved, Bruce, and Lord, I'll never forget it. So, Lord, if there's one that's lost today, Please save them. Please save them. Because, Lord, the devil can take them far, far away from your will. And the devil can hurt you a lot more than you ever thought that he'd hurt them. And the devil can keep you a lot longer than you ever thought he'd keep you. So, Lord, please deliver somebody through salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Four hopeless cases. First of all, a storm and even disciples that thought they weren't going to make it to the other side because an exterior storm. Then we got on the other side of the, of, the, of the Sea of Galilee, 
probably the reason they came was to see this one man. Jesus knew he was there and knew his reputation. He was a raving maniac. He's streaking through a country graveyard. He was uh, crazy with the devils in his life. And I want to tell you something, friend. The devil is having a heyday today with many people. Many people. Went to prison with uh, Brother Larry Friday, I believe it was, or maybe Thursday, Friday, I believe it was. And had all the cells locked down because of some crazy stuff that these, these uh, prisoners were doing. Talked to a young man that's going to be shipped Tuesday, spend time in prison. Prayed with him, wept with him, said this was not necessary. And folks, I want to tell you something. The devil will hurt you a lot more than you think he'll hurt you. And he'll keep you a lot longer, and he'll hurt others in your family a whole lot more. And so, folks, don't ever take for granted your enemies. Folks, I believe we should not revere the devil, but I believe we ought to respect his power that he is more powerful than you ever thought about being. Why are people sitting at home with no conviction this morning? Because the devil's duped them and dulled them and diverted them and detoured them into some bitterness or some uh, habit or some uh, occupation or some uh, uh, recreation today, and they don't even realize what they're missing. Folks, I want to tell you something, friend. You're missing a lot if you don't come to the house of God. Every time the doors open. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you could see for a second the imps of hell trying to bombard your family, you would want to come more than you come, and you'd want to be at this altar at the first of the service if you could only see the invisible war that's going on. And so this Gadarean maniac, nobody could chain him. Nobody could control him. His, probably his family's already given up on him. His kids were embarrassed to call him daddy probably because he was so such a raving maniac, so addicted to his to the devil's power. But I want you to see number one, and I guess I need to go back to this outline because I got another one, but I just, I just got to go back to it. I want you to see his condition. He was powerless, driven by demons. Well, Luke chapter 8, verse 29 says he was driven. Folks, he was addicted to demons. Some people say uh, you can't live it. And I won't say this, you can't live it, but he can live it through you. And greater is he that is in you. And folks, you're saved by grace. But I want to tell you something, the preceding verse says that you have the exceeding power towards us of the resurrection in your life. What is the exceeding power? It's the power of the resurrection. The same power that, that uh, caused Jesus to come out of the grave is the same power of the Holy Ghost that's in you. The Bible says in Romans 8, thir uh, 37, uh, that if God be for us, or excuse me, we're more than conquerors through him. In verse 31 of that same chapter says, if God be for us, who can be against us? In 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm on the winning side, hallelujah. But before I was saved, I was powerless. Before my alcoholic daddy was saved, he was powerless. He couldn't give it up. He tried everything he could. But after you get saved, you can claim Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Boy, I've seen people on drugs. I've seen drug addicts. I've seen people prisoners of their own habits, their own selfishness. And folks, it's a helpless situation. We're dead in our sins and trespasses, so don't think you can resurrect yourself. It's going to take a miracle for you to be saved. Then second of all, he was hopeless. No one could tame him. Look at verse 4. Because they had been often bound with feathers and chains and, and had plucked them asunder by him and the fetters broke in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I'll tell you something, when you're demon-possessed, you've got some power 
that's beyond you. Amen. One time I was visiting on the bus route down in Reedsville, Georgia, some of the um, prisoners, guards, they were worse than the prisoners ever thought about being kids. And one of the kids was a teenager that often rode our bus, and she hadn't been in about six months, and we've been trying to get her to come back. And I walked in that apartment, or little project, really, and she began to speak in a deep voice, an eerie voice. There was a coldness in that room I'd never felt before in my life. It was the middle of the summer in Reedsville, Georgia. And then she began to uh, just rave and rant. She uh, uh, single-handedly picked up a big old chair in the corner and threw it. Then she tried to throw my partner, Clancy, across the room. I was already out in the uh, uh, front yard hiding. But anyway, and, uh, and she, was, uh, she was a maniac. And so it took both of us and their mama and daddy to hold that girl down while she spoke in some spooky, awful voice. You said, that sounds like something in The Exorcist, you know, where the head turns all the way around. Or that sounds like some movie. I want to tell you something. It wasn't a movie. It was bus visitation. And I want to tell you something, friend. The devil can suppress you, and he can possess you. And if you're saved, he can't possess you. He can suppress you, and you're living beneath your privilege if you are suppressed or depressed by the devil. She, there was hopeless. We're dead in our sins and trespasses. There's no self-resurrection here. It's going to take the touch of God. Amen? And folks, there's no way except Jesus. John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's not by reformation. That's like mopping a muddy hut uh, floor. It's just going to get more muddy. Amen? You need a new floor. Say amen. You need a new heart. It's not through denomination. Aren't you glad you discovered in Sunday school you're not Protestant? Don't ever mark that on your application, Protestant. You put Baptist, because folks, Protestants are those that protested and came out of the Catholic Church, a la baby baptizing Presbyterians. Amen? That, that's, that's protesters. Well, that's Protestants. I'm not a Protestant. I'm a Baptist by conviction. Say amen. You say, what would you be if you wasn't a Baptist? Ashamed. Amen. You say, hey, you think you're the only ones going to heaven? I didn't say we was Baptist briders. I just said, friend, we believe in the distinctives of the, of the Bible, and we're Bible writers. Amen? We believe the Bible, the Word of God. So denomination won't get you. Join every church in Dalton, Georgia, and you can still bust hell wide open. By the way of the pew, denominations won't say, hey, information won't say. Reformation won't say. That's why Brother Larry goes every day of his life with that crippling arthritis down those hard floors, but that oil's helping uh, Sister uh, Farley, he, he said that oil's helping, praise God. Give me a, a amen. I, li I like that three-in-one oil, praise God. Anybody, anyway, um, I, I'm trying it. I really am. But uh, that's the reason he goes to jail every week. Because I want to tell you something. They, 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 they got all the education they can stand. They got all the reformation they can. But I want to tell you what it's going to take for those men not to go back to that place or back to their sin. It's regeneration. It's being born again. Demonstration won't save you. You can work up an emotional feeling and, and, and think you're worshiping God. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. You can bust hell wide open being emotional. Amen. The devil trembles. He's got emotion. But that's not saving faith. That's trembling faith. It's more than emotion. John 5, uh, 1 John 5, 13 says that these things have I written unto you, not these things I've felt unto you. It's, you're saved and the feelings is a caboose. Amen. It comes along after. Don't wait on a feeling to get saved. That'd be like you invite me out to eat today, and I said, well, I just don't feel like uh, I don't feel like eating. No, I want to tell you something. If you got the food, I got the empty stomach. That's all I need. Amen. I'm empty. That'll fill me. Praise God. 
The Bible says come and dine. You don't wait on a feeling. Oh, let me run around this auditorium three times, then I'll go out and eat with you. No, I don't have to do that junk. All I got to do is know I'm empty. There's food. Praise God. I'll eat it. Now, folks, salvation is not just going to eat. Somebody asked me why we picked this church. I said, because the food's good. No, not really. Amen. Some people pick a church because the music's good. Some people uh, pick a church because the program's good. I'll tell you why you ought to pick a church because the word is good. And it's preached straight, preached straight. Amen. Jesus paid the price for our hopeless condition. So why are we trying to hope in something else besides him? Say amen. And then he was friendless in the mountains and the tombs, the Bible says in verse 5. And always night and day was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself. Folks, he was lonely. I want to tell you something. The loneliest state you can have is being without Jesus, without a church home, but without a heavenly home. And you can be in the midst of a crowd and be a lonely person. Some of y'all try to be real cordial and smile and handshake, but you're lonely if you're lost. I mean, you're alone. And folks, I want to tell you something. You need to join the winning side. You need to join the greatest family on this earth. I'm not talking about denomination. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, his family. We didn't have, Listen, folks, he is the greatest friend we'll ever have. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to the Lord in prayer. You're my friends, he said in John 15, 14, if you do whatsoever I've commanded you. John 15, 13 said this, Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. My best friend's Jesus. And folks, he's my father, he's my Lord, and he's the only one that can help me in my loneliness. You ever been lonely? I tell you, a lot of people commit suicide in the Christmas season because they, their loneliness is eating their lunch. I mean, they just can't get, they just can't get, they can't get the, 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 the companionship. The loneliness just tears them apart. And then number four, he was joyless, was crying and cutting himself. He's not happy. To say the least, he wasn't happy. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I might get down, but I ain't going to start slapping myself. Amen? I'm not going to start cutting myself. But the demons of hell will, help, will allow you and encourage you to kill yourself on the installment plan. It's called addiction. That's installment. It's, it, hey, listen, it's suicide on the installment plan. That's why I preach against smoking. It's suicide on the installment plan. Folks, if God wanted you to smoke, he'd put a chimney on your head. Say amen. Now, I want to tell you something. That is an addiction. My daddy gave up liquor, but he said the worst thing he had to give up was smoking. He said, I couldn't take it. It's like me giving up sweet tea, I guess. Amen. I can't take it. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm a caffeine addict. I don't, I don't drink caffeine. Brother Turner's won me over. But anyway, I'm going to say this. Oh, he wasn't happy. And folks, he was bound. Who wants to be bound? You know, it's about time, lost friend, that you get set free. Because if you're lost, you're bound. I mean, he, the devil's got you bound for hell, but he's got you bound in bondage of sin. And I thank God that we're saved in three tenses. We're saved past tense. We're saved present tense. That's the bondage of sin. And we're saved future tense, even from the presence of sin. We're going to be in heaven. Thank God for that. Folks, no answer of prayer. Distance from God. No purpose. Can you imagine roaming the hills of a cemetery as your abode? Satan might deceive at first, but sooner or later, he damages and 
finally he vanished. No joy. Jesus is the author of real peace and joy. That's what the world needs. That's why all these people are searching for these artificial highs that become lower lows when they come off of it. No happiness. He's probably scared to death of his own self. He's probably scared he's going to hurt his wife. That's a shame people hurt their wives. He's probably, shame, he's probably scared he'd go home and hurt his, and abuse his children. Isn't that the saddest sin in the world when adult beats a child unmercifully? Hits them, stars them, ties them up like a dog. I want to say that, friend. If anybody's doing that, they got demons in them. That's right. Abusing babies. The devil will drive you low. So I'd never do that. Don't you ever say you'd never do anything. If you're lost, the devil can drive you to some crazy things. He's streaking through a country graveyard. But I want you to see, thirdly, not only the, chain, uh, the, the uh, condition of this man, but I want you to see, friend, I want you to see clearly his conversion. His conversion. Folks, his conduct, how he came to Jesus is so important. And he came to Jesus earnestly. Luke 8, again, the same uh, miracle. He's, he's, the demon said, I beseech thee. That's earnest. Now, folks, if you're going to come down this aisle popping gum and waving at your friends, don't come down the aisle to get saved. There ought to be some brokenness. There ought to be conviction. Conviction. I, I pray for Holy Ghost conviction during the altar call. Amen? And, folks, I want to tell you something. He meant business. He was lost. And he knew it. He realized his awful condition. Folks, the word lost, if it's associated with your life, it's so sad. I've been found. As an 11 and a half year old son of a drunk that had nothing to offer anyone, Jesus found me. And I found him, and I found him to be faithful and true. I found him to be a savior that'll never let me down. And folks, I want to tell you something. He came instantly. The Bible says in verse 6, says, but when he saw Jesus far off, he ran and worshipped him. Why do we have to sing 47 verses of Just As I Am to get somebody moved? Why do we have preachers get up and tell sad stories during invitation? Why does somebody get up their special singer every invitation, and the special singer has to sing that tear-jerking song? I want to tell you something. We don't do that here because we're not trying to sway you emotionally. It's all right to have emotion, and I'll tell you the greatest emotion you ever should have is Holy Ghost conviction you need the Savior and that you can't wait. You ought to run to the altar. It would be okay for you to come right now and we'll just stop the service and you get saved at this altar right now. The program is souls being saved in this church. Yesterday when we went out about 30 strong and I thank God for it, tremendous breakfast, but that wasn't what we're there for. We're not a fellowship Baptist church. We're a furtherance of the gospel Baptist church. And I want to say this, friend, we are, we are a false advertisement church. If we're a caring church for a hurting world, we never go. The way we started this church is the way it's going to continue. That's door knocking. That's going out and see the lost. That's not stealing sheep, but it's going out and seeing people birthed into the kingdom of God. It's not trying to uh, uh, rob them from Doug Gap, uh, but it's, it's going out into Doug Gap Valley saying, hey, you must be born again. And folks, if we ever get away from that, We've done join the crowd that thinks we can entertain them in here. Pragmatism is do anything you can to get a crowd. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus didn't do any of those things. He just made himself available. And he ran.
You ought to run to church. You ought to be the first ones here. You ought to be the one to help do- unlock the door. You ought to turn the heat on. You ought not say, well, man, I'm going to try to make it. And if I don't, if there's not some, some ball game on. If there's a ball game on, I ain't coming back tonight. I want to tell you something. Nothing's more important than worship. If you really hadn't got over your salvation, nothing's more important. He ran. You know, folks, listen, he didn't make it on his own. Uh, he didn't wait on a filling. Uh, folks, he didn't, uh, uh, you know, he, 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 he ran to Jesus because he realized who he was. Look at verse 7. And he cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee? Now, he's not worshiping yet because he's not saved. He don't have the worshiper in him, the Holy Ghost. Thou son of the most high God, I adjure thee to God that thou torment me not. Now, folks, I believe the demons were speaking to Jesus. I believe the demons were saying, hey, you are the son of the most high God. And I believe that man, as he is listening, that voice come out of his mouth said, my word, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I believe it's the right place. I believe I can get some help from this man. I believe that uh, there's something going on in my soul that's giving me a ray of hope. And folks, life and, and, and liberty. And, and I need who I'm talking to is what he would probably say. The devil probably tried to throw him down and run him out. But I want to tell you something. He ran to Jesus and he saw Jesus as who he was and who he is. Thank God for that. Then he came to Jesus reverently, worshipped. He knew even the, even the demons knew that Jesus was the Son of God. Folks, I believe everything we do ought to be worshipped, realizing who he is. Folks, he's not a swear word. And he's not a colloquial term. And he's not an entertainer. And folks, I want to tell you another thing is, we're not here for us, we're here for him. And we're not here just to get another feeling or another focus or find out who, 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 who's the best we can be and, and self-image talk. Folks, we're here to see his image. Amen? Self-image ain't going to get it. But his image will get it. So he got a view of who he was. He came to Jesus uh, reverently and he came to Jesus humbly. He fell down before him. Come to Jesus knowing he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man come to the Father but by him. But I want you to see, last but not least, his change. Very simple message. I preached this thing 42 years ago. You know it's simple. I'll tell you something, folks. It was a simple setting when I preached it. But I remember what happened at the end of that service. And that wasn't simple. That was a miracle. Bruce and Connie sitting in a 12 by 15 room. Metal chairs, those old brown rusty ones. We still got them back there. Had a uh, plank over the radiator heater, and the steam was coming up from the basement. That old haunted house in October. Now we turned it into a holy house. And folks, on a twelve by fifteen room, you can, you can, I, I, I can pick up you right now. I can tell you who's listening, who's not, who's asleep, who's got their eyes open, who looks like they're interested. I mean, I can just pick you up. Sometimes I wish I could take my glasses off. But anyway. You can hear every, every pin drop in that little old auditorium, that little old sanctuary. And I remember old Bruce got up after this message, and he, and he took a step, and, I, and then Connie was on the aisle seat, and she grabbed him. And I want to tell you something, Connie was bigger than him, and he was about 300 pounds. But I was just thanking God the floor didn't fall in, or the chairs kept them up, amen? I'm serious. But the, uh, Cecil Hodges would not go, we had 78 people in that room, uh, for the charter service, and he said, I ain't going up there. I said, why are you not going up there, Doc? He says, because you're going to collapse the building. Let's have it down on the ground floor. I said, no, that's our sanctuary up there. That's the guy's office down here. We can't have it there. 
And he went up there reluctantly and preached our charter service. And I, I remember, I'll never forget it. She grabbed him and said, I said, oh, she's going to pull him back. She said, you ain't going to go get saved unless I get saved too. And the whole family got saved. And the folks, he was so big, I said, would you take me visiting with you, or can I go visit with you Tuesday night? On Tuesday night, he'd knock on the door to all his relatives. and I mean, they were rough. And then I'd slide off tackle. I was the little running back, praise God. I wasn't even the quarterback. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'd get in the home, and I started talking. That's how our church got started, through a message on the Gadarean mainland. My wife said, was that the first message you preached? She didn't say it that way. Said, yeah, I guess it was. I said it that way. What was I doing preaching on the Gadarean Maniac on the first Sunday? I had to learn. But I want to tell you something. I can't think of a better thing to preach than that Jesus is the only hope. He's the only way. He's God. He's over the devil. He's over sin. He's over, the, he's over yourself. Praise God. He can do anything. He is the God of very God. He is the Son of God of the Most High God. Folks, the demons even know that. You ought to recognize it. So he worshiped. And then he came humbly. But here's the change. Look at verse 15. And they came to Jesus and see him, see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legions sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. There was an inward change. The Bible says in verse 15 that he was um, in his right mind. Thank God. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because thou trusteth in thee. Isaiah 26, 3. What a great verse. Folks, free of worry, free of guilt. You know, guilt will drive you crazy. Free of the devil's lies. He will deceive you into thinking that fun is the answer and sin is the answer and entertainment is the answer. When, folks, he's the answer. See, I want to tell you something, folks. The depravity of man tells us that we need a miracle. I mean, this man existed with 6,000 demons in his life. Those pigs, they committed suicide because they had three in their life. 2,000 divided by 6,000, that's three, three per pig. Those pigs had more sense than he did. They just said, I ain't going to live with demons in me, praise God. I'm going over the side. And I'll tell you, he made everybody mad because it touched their pocketbook. Bacon went up that day. Bacon went way up. And folks, all the economy was shook up when Jesus showed up. And when Jesus cleaned up his one man and saved his unworthy soul, those pigs committed suicide. Choked himself in the sea. That's telling me the depravity of man. Man can go around with 6,000 demons in their heart. Pigs ain't going to allow it. They'd rather not live. Peace of mind. Cast your care upon him for he careth for you in the right mind. Folks, people are out of their mind because of sin. I won't tell you why they were locked down, but it was, it was despicable. What some inmate. I was talking to one, one young man that you all know very well. And he said, I can't believe this guy did that. I said, well, I'm just glad it wasn't you. And I want to tell you this, friend. He was in his right mind after he met Jesus. Then, he, then it was not only an inward change, it was an outward change. The Bible says in verse 15, he was clothed. Amen. An inward change reflects an outward change. Folks, listen, I want to tell you something. He had some respect. 
himself. You know, some people don't have a bit of respect. Some have respect for the house of God. They come in and half-dressed, look like they just got out of the shower or the, or the worse yet, the dryer. I mean, just, I mean, you know, just, just half wrinkled and half undone. Didn't, didn't, even, didn't even comb the hair. I mean, listen, I got two hairs I place them before I come to the house of God. Amen. Place them neatly. I can put a little hairspray on them just in case the wind comes up because y'all don't want to see those two hairs straight back or two straight up. Amen. That's what my wife says. I believe, folks, it's not the outward. Tonight, you don't need to come and impress the preacher because he's not going to see you. But you're not here to impress our, our guest preacher that's been preaching 40 years, never seen a sunrise, never seen a sunset, never seen any of the converts get saved that he's been preaching to all these years. You're coming for Jesus. You come to reverently respect him. And, folks, this house is different than any house. This is a different place. It's called a sanctuary sanctified and so folks he his outward clothes he became respectful for the things of God he came respect he became respectful for the presence of God he sat there clothed he wasn't gonna now wouldn't have been bad if he got saved and he was stark naked sitting next to Jesus that'd be embarrassing wouldn't it I think Jesus might have corrected him on that say amen get some clothes on boy but he didn't have to be told he knew he had some dignity I want to tell you something friend to come from streaking in a country graveyard to a child of the king, that's dignity. He's a child of the king. He didn't have to apologize for his past. It's under the blood, say amen. All he had to do was rebuke the devil because now greater is he that's in him that's in the world. So we see an inward change. We see an outward change. But then we see a restful change sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God. Not running from the devil anymore. Not fighting his own battles anymore. Not carrying the load of sin anymore. Because he couldn't bear it. I love Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. It says, Come unto me, all ye that are labored and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. What kind of rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I like that soul rest. You know, a lot of y'all can rest anywhere. I can tell you, y'all tes testify every Sunday. Y'all just rest. But I want to tell you something, folks. There's another thing called soul rest. If you know that your heart's clean, you know that you have a conscience that's clear and clean before God, that you can pillow your head every night and know that you're living right for God. That's peace. Folks, I want to tell you something. Sin will haunt you. Sin is heavy. Sin will, will corrupt your thinking and corrupt your living and it's restlessness. But here he is, resting at the feet of Jesus. Broken, but thank God his chains are now broken. And folks, there was a manifest change. Because look at verse 20. It says, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. All men. Published means he was not ashamed. Folks, he wasn't giving credit to the local jail, and he wasn't giving credit to the local politics. It wasn't demon, it wasn't demon control. It was heart control that he needed. 
Hey, friend, it wasn't, he's giving credit to the psychologist that counseled him out of this. He didn't give credit to the pill, drug that got him restful. He was giving credit and praising the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all did, men did marvel. I'm going to tell you what that means, folks. There's power in your testimony. I'm going to tell you something. The greatest testimony you have is once I was lost and now I'm found. Once I was a puppet of hell. I was a slave to sin. And now I'm sitting at Jesus' feet. I want to go home with him or I want to go wherever he's going. That's a natural response if you're saved. You want to go to church and you want to be at the altar and you want to sing songs and you want to hear the word of God. You want to. There's a new want to. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of darkness in your life. You better check up. And there's a lot of attraction to darkness. You better check up. And Folks, I'm going to tell you what happened. People took note of him, and I believe thousands were saved. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Aren't you glad God changed you? Aren't you glad God saved you? Aren't you glad that you wasn't possessed by the devil, but you probably was oppressed by the devil? And what you need is more power, more joy, and more purpose, and you're not going to get it from this world. And you're surely not going to get it from the devil. You're going to find it at the foot of Jesus. Folks, listen. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever broke free from sin? I'm not talking about sin, sinless perfection. I'm talking about sin's an exception, not a profession. It's a slip, not a way of life. Don't tell me you can get saved live your own saint, sorry life. Don't tell me you can get saved and never come to church, never read your Bible. Folks, you get a new want to. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. This man's sitting, clothed, in, his, in a sound mind, but then the, he has a request. And his first request, the Lord says no. He says, can I go with you wherever you go? Can I be your right-hand man? Can I, can I set up the meetings? Can I? Can I just be with you? He said, no. No, you can't. You can go home. You need to go home and be a soul winner. You need to go home. You need to be a witness. And so you know what he did? He went back into copying and published. He didn't start a book. Uh, he didn't start a printing ministry. He started a proclaiming ministry. And I won't tell you what his message was. I was a crazy lunatic streaking through the country graveyard cutting myself hurting myself and nobody could tame me nobody could help me and I'd break the chains and I just want to tell you my testimony he came to me after a terrible storm he and his disciples came to me and something within me bowed before him and as I bowed before him I realized it wasn't just a person I was bowing before. I was the very God, the one that made me. And I was living beneath my God-given privilege. And I got saved. Can you imagine the day he knocked on his own door? His wife cringed probably and said, oh, no, he's home, children. Go hide. And she came to the door. And there he is, smiling in his right mind. And he's not drunk. 
He says, honey, you got a new husband. I'm home now. I've been raving maniac. There's a power within me I couldn't control myself. There's a power of demons. And I want to say I love you. And please forgive me. And I can imagine that mama saying, children, come on out. Get out from under the bed. Get out from under the clo- in the closet. You got a new daddy. And I can imagine he takes his arms and puts them around him and says, children, I'm a new daddy now. I won't hit you no more. I won't leave you hungry. I won't leave you trying to beg for your next meal while I'm out drinking and carousing and doping and running the cemetery, raving maniac. I'm home to be a daddy. And I want to apologize to you. And I want to tell you I love you. You know, I believe with all my heart that wife wasn't saved. She got saved within 24 hours. I believe those children said, I can't wait till I get saved. Because the only, the only thing that ever helped our home, the only thing that brought any sanity to it, any peace, was the day that the demons didn't come home, but that Jesus, the Holy Ghost, came home in my daddy, I mean my husband. Father, thank you for the message. It's been a long time since I preached it. God, this story never grows old. And the miracle never gets mundane. And Lord, you're never off your throne. You're still the very God. And you're the Savior of whosoever will come. And Lord, I pray that if there's one that's lost, I'm not saying they're demon-possessed, but Lord, that's lost and can't, can't get the victory, can't find peace, surely can't find heaven one day in their works, in their education, their reformation. God, I pray they get saved. And Lord, for all of us that's been saved, God, you didn't call us to stay in here and sit at your feet all the time. You called us to go back where we live, where we work, where we go to school, and publish and testify and demonstrate a testimony of a changed life. God, please help us to be bold in our witness, but to be humble enough to realize it's only because of Christ. 